Hello, I'm Tim Bousquet, and this is Examiner Radio. Examiner Radio is the weekly radio show and podcast that covers news, politics, and all things Halifax. Coming up, people are starting to realize that if you want to have things like benefits, if you want to have things like just cause protections, if you want to have any kind of rights at work, you do need to get organized with your coworkers. That's Darius Mershahi. He's an organizer with SEIU Local Number no. 2, the union that supported a group of striking janitors who were fired after launching a human rights complaint. I wanted to ask Darius about the role of unions in Halifax and about his work. First, though, let's get going with Examiner Radio episode number 157157. Sandra Hannenbaum. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? It's been a busy week. Yes. Yes. You've uh, uncovered some some really interesting things. Went to things. court. We'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, let's just jump right to it. Eh? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, folks listening, this show is produced by the Halifax Examiner. And produce means that the examiner pays all the bills. And that means we need your money. Uh, please subscribe at halifaxexaminer.ca. You didn't write that on this thing, but that's what I said. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Just for the record, though, I didn't say we need money. <laughs> Give us all your money, or at least some of it, uh, because we spend it on things like this show and things like going to court. Anyway, oh, yes. we have we can review. So um, what do you have? Uh, well, I was so shocked to find out that there's still racism at City Hall. Yeah. Um, so I guess there was a report in 2016 uh, with certain recommendations saying that uh, the municipality, you know, still had systemic racism and that they had particular recommendations. They haven't moved on any of them. And some uh, people protested on Tuesday. Yeah, there were there were like 80-something recommendations in this thing from 2016, January, I think, of 2016. And it was a confidential report, and now it's flying all over the place. Um, it uh, has been redacted, but it the report called out all sorts of instances right. of just flat-out discriminatory racism, but also that kind of – uh, institutional racism too. I don't see why they why it would have to be secret, considering that we already know that's a problem <laughs> at City Hall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to to keep something secret when you have someone kind of making it obvious on television and on social media. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, someone. Someone. Yeah. You know, just in general, yeah. <laughs> like not that Whitman or anything. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, it's Matt Whitman. Uh, so what about uh, – I wasn't there um, because I was elsewhere, uh, but uh, there were about two dozen uh, mostly black city employees that showed up, um, and they had to take vacation time to show up for this demonstration. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, got the news attention they wanted, uh, which is good and, and worthwhile – and the CAO, the chief administrative officer at City Hall, issued kind of a mealy mouth statement after that, saying, eh, we're working on it, we're doing blah, mm. blah, blah. But the, a report is coming to council, I, I believe, next month. So 
Yeah. I mean, it's pretty brave of those people to identify themselves like that, considering that they, they work for the city. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw someone, and I'm sorry, I, I don't know who this was on social media, uh, express, you know, it's really too bad that uh, these two dozen uh employees had to go out there on their own and there weren't other union members um, from sister unions uh, out there supporting them. Right. Yeah, we'll get into that a bit. Well, it's a topic a lot of people want to get away from, I guess. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have. But um, yeah, yeah, there's also this week in the news, HRM can slash can't shut down dispensaries. <laughs> I'm a little confused about that. Yeah. So what's a canopy? Uh, what's it called? Cana- uh, coastal canopy. Coastal canopy uh, on Agricola. Agricola Street. Is that the one right there by Fresh Prince or a little far? Anyway. I think so. it's yeah. near there. Yeah. Um, they were shut down and their landlord and they were, were issued a citation and they pleaded guilty. Yeah. And then they just kept open. Yeah. So I, it seems <laughs> like um, so recently there there was a motion put forward to have a report, come, a staff report come back to tell the city how they could actually shut down a dispensary, as in lock the doors, which right now they can't do. Um, but they do have their own ways of going about it, right, which is that this is going to go to the Supreme Court. Right, the Nova Scotia Supreme Court for an order, I guess, a court order to right. to shut this this business down. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't. You're more well read on this subject than I am. So, well, I just think that it's kind of interesting because on the one hand, I see an article that says they they can't shut down a dispensary with the current bylaws that they have, but then after that came out they have made a decision to try to use the bylaws they have to take it as far as they can. I see. So it, they're trying to work with what they have now, I guess. Yeah. Um, have you talked with Andrew Laughlin? He's the owner there? No, I haven't spoken to him. Yeah. he uh, He's a SMU grad, as are you. Yes. <laughs> and his, uh, his degree was in um, commerce slash entrepreneurship. Of course. Yes, he's quite entrepreneur and <laughs> entrepreneurial. <laughs> That's the word. Um, <clears throat> also, what you were working on this week is the FOIPOP quote-unquote data breach. Yeah, let's call it a se- security failure. Right, and they actually tried to cover that security failure. Well, so to back up for for listeners, uh, I I'm going to assume some familiarity with this. Uh, uh, case, but uh, so the provincial website, Freedom of Information website, had they had put accidentally the the people building the site and maintaining the site had put confident people's personal information on a public facing part of the site, mm-hmm. um, and it someone out there in the world, this nineteen year old, accessed it um, apparently with no ill intent because he, as we now know. Um, he had actually used his credit card on the site. Right. So, um, what kind of hacker, you know, gives you their credit card information first? Uh, and um, uh, so there's search warrants ser- served against this guy. Yeah. Uh, Fifteen cops showed up. So Mary Campbell up in Cape Breton, she runs this Cape Breton Spectator, and I hired 
David Coles, or a media lawyer here in town, to get that search warrant, um, get the documentation of that search warrant. It had been sealed by the court, and we wanted it unsealed. And so we went to court on Tuesday and were successful. Um, Judge Gregory Lenenhan, uh, actually signed the, uh, the unsealing order. So that's the same judge that yes, said that's clearly a, a drunk can consent. Yes, same judge. Um, but, uh, we got what we wanted. He, he followed, uh, what we saw as the clear law. Uh, um, and you know, an hour after his ruling, I was given this 10 page, uh, it's called an information to obtain. It's what the cops give a justice of the peace to get a search warrant, and they have to justify their why they want a search warrant, and right. it has to be able to stand up in court. That's why they go to the court to get it. And um, basically, my take on it is that provincial employees had um, mischaracterized what had happened. They had called it a, a breach and a, a, a break-in to their site where they had put everything out there on, on the public side. And and the cops had the wrong um, kind of framing of what had happened yeah. and didn't have the expertise to understand that. Uh, so this big over-the-top police response resulted. Uh, people can read uh, the entire document. I published it uh, today on Thursday. Um, the article came out on, on Tuesday afternoon, so you can find that at halifaxexaminer.ca, and I, I inserted a, a new link to the entire document, so everyone right. can read it. And I just wanted to say that I really appreciate the way that you went about that um, in terms of transparency and kind of educating people about the process that's associated with, with what you had to do. Well, thank you. I had a lot of fun writing that part of the article. So I wrote two articles. One was, here's what happened with this search you yeah. know, and here's what the cops did but another article i wrote was here's what this is all about here's how we got it here's what the law is and yeah you know i i i do try to tell people what the law is and why why they should care about these things and i don't i don't know i had i actually had fun writing that one yeah well i'm glad you had fun because it's information we all need right i mean there's no point in being informed if you're not being educated at the same time you know yeah. a little bit and also uh um, yeah, it helps build trust, doesn't it? I hope so. And I think there's a big issue that needs to be pursued, and that's the the whole search warrant issue. This case aside, this Freedom of Information website case aside, um, there are lots and lots of search warrants being uh, served, executed, um, and sealed by the courts. And I think there's sort of a knee-jerk um uh, action on the on the part of both the police and the justices of the police to automatically seal these things by mm-hmm. default and I don't think they should be and right. this is to me going to be my next area of um research and try to get into that issue a little more than than we have so far because right. I had to focus on the story yeah. this, right. this week. But, yeah. but we do have an issue with freedom of information in this province. Yes. So, yeah. um, anyways, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from Darius Mirshahi. You're listening to Examiner Radio.
I'm joined in the studio by Darius Mershahi, who is an organizer with the Service Employees International Union. Is that correct, all of that? That's correct. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Um, we have you in because uh, I want to talk to you about organizing um, people who work in coffee shops and as janitors and so forth. But before we get there, uh, let's talk about you. Uh, who are you? Well, like you said, my name is Darius. Um, I uh, do union organizing, uh, and I'm in Halifax to do that work. But uh, I've been an activist for a very long time. I've been, uh, you know, pushing, you know, for social and environmental justice, uh, you know, pushing for different issues for for over a decade now. And um, yeah, your name your yeah. name pops up uh, in the G20 uh, <laughs> demonstrations in Toronto from 2010. Uh, you were arrested twice. Yeah, and and uh, <laughs> and what happened? Which time? The first time or the second time? Well, the first time was was uh, before the. It was yeah. It was, like it was, a, it was right right before the G20. I was arrested for putting up posters encouraging people to show up to the to the G20 protests. Um, now this is definitely an overreach of police resources, yeah. and those charges were definitely dropped. That was in Toronto. Uh, that was in London, Ontario. Okay. I was living in London at the time. Uh, had organized a social justice club on my campus and uh, had opened uh, helped open up a community center uh, in London uh, around social justice issues. And then, and and then you went to you went to Toronto for the protests and were arrested again. Uh, yeah, well, I wasn't arrested at the protests. I was arrested on Sunday when they just decided to arrest everyone they could. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yep, I was arrested and, you know, uh, brought into the film studio prison where, you know, there was, yeah. uh, were you convicted of anything? I wasn't convicted. So they just dropped the charge. They, uh, yeah. yeah. So I've they actually never. I, I I've been arrested more than those two times, but I've I, I've actually <laughs> never been convicted of any of any of the uh, spurious charges that have been laid against me. How'd you get from Ontario to Halifax? Uh, so I, uh, you know, I've recently had a kid, and uh, the uh, vagabond activist lifestyle was getting. <laughs> A little harder to manage, and so I started applying for different uh, jobs that uh, I thought uh, I politically resonated with yeah. and uh, felt inspired by because I still want to uh, do work that I believe in no matter what sure. what I do. Uh, and, and what I do is more important than where I do it. And so I was very much willing to, to travel to, to, to uh-huh. do what's needed to be done to push for you know a, a freer, more joyful, and more egalitarian society. And I found a job uh, organizing for a CIU, helping, you know, low-wage workers, you know, precarious workers, people who are often, um, you know, marginalized and exploited, or almost every day are being exploited, I should say, uh, to, to unite and fight back and, and yeah. win uh, win the changes that they deserve. How long have you been here in Halifax? Just since uh, August. A lot has happened since then. Yeah, it's. I feel like I've been here for yeah. for a lot longer than that. But yeah, it's only been nine months. Yeah, so um, I, I guess the the thing that put your name in the news locally, at least the first time I became aware of you, was um, with the uh, janitors down at the Founder Square. 
yeah, and that that definitely became a national news story and was even covered and uh, internationally by some uh, by some outlets as well. So um, my name did get out there quite a bit as part yeah. as part of that. So I was helping people fight to retain their jobs. So, so maybe Square. we can give a uh, just a thumbnail sketch for listeners of what that was about. Yeah. So. In March, uh, we found out that the contract uh, for cleaning at Founder Square had changed hands. And all of the cleaners, uh, you know, who are unionized with us there, uh, were going to be let go as a result that the new company was not going to be keeping people on. Uh, and so we were concerned about that because, you know, in, in this industry, it's not always the case, but it's very often the case that the new company will keep people on for the co- sake of continuity. It's also hard to find like a lot of workers mm-hmm. um, just out of the blue. Uh, if So so we were concerned that they weren't going to be rehiring anybody. And we went and talked to the membership and we found out very quickly that only, uh, you know, out of out of the workers, there's, there were seven workers of African descent. None of them were being offered continued employment, but the one worker... Uh, you know, excluding supervisors, of course, the one worker of European descent uh, was being offered continued employment. And, you know, through discussions with the workers, uh, people felt that there was definitely a racial element to this and wanted to, uh, you know, file a complaint at the Human Rights Commission. We had a press conference in front of Founder Square, I think it was on March 23rd, uh, announcing that we were in the process of filing a human rights complaint, um, alleging racial discrimination and the rehiring policies. Uh, and then it, it blew up because Armor Group, uh, who owns Founder yeah. Square, decided to terminate their contract early and ban them from the building, uh, which is, you know, a, a direct violation of the of, of the of Human Rights Act, you know, it, which forbids retaliation, re- retaliation for, 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 for filing for filing a, a complaint, um, right? So then it became a bigger issue, yeah, and yeah. we had pickets every day in front of it. Well, for just a week. just to clarify, were the janitors who were were any of the janitors actually unionized? All of them were unionized. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, they were all unionized uh, at, at Founders Square. Now, in Halifax, there are two companies that are unionized, like wall-to-wall, right? So we've got uh, GDI and Be Clean unionized. Uh, and in that process, we've been able to help workers fight and win uh, really important things like paid sick days, um, you know, medical benefits, guaranteed raises and a, a grievance process and and you know respect yeah. right respect at right. work and there's other companies too that we've been able to win sites here and sites there and we're working on spreading this to the rest of the uh in, in the u.s industry. probably the biggest uh, labor victory in the past decade has been janitors in in uh los angeles uh, unionizing um, successfully and, and gaining, you know, just basic job protection and things like that. Yeah, the the Justice for Janitors campaign in L.A. was, yeah, the stuff of legends. There's been movies made about it. There's been children's books written about it. There's there, It made incredible waves uh, in, in the broader labor movement, but also just in the consciousness around working class well, struggle. Well, right? well I want, so, I want to re- return to that, but let, let's uh, just uh, touch on a couple other things. You, you also, your union has been working with the um, baristas 
at the unionized just us locations. Is that correct? Yeah. So a few years ago, we helped launch Baristas Rise Up, uh, which was going to be what the the intent was to unionize the cafe industry. Uh-huh. Now, because there's a lot of people working in cafes that uh, you know deserve better that are being paid very little uh, for their work. And there's a lot of money in coffee. And we figured, you know, we could help people. How's that campaign coming? Well, it was, it was, it, (laughs) we had unionized two Just Us cafes in town. And then more recently, those cafes were sold off to the Smiling Goat. Mm -hmm. Now, we had to then organize the rest of the Smiling Goats, which we successfully did. We do have the certification for all the Smiling Goats in the city now. The problem is is that those locations are being closed, managed in a very uh, unsustainable way. And uh, uh, yet there are locations that are closing down now because of it. And it's not because of the union. This was was a problem with the Smiling Goat long before the union uh, came into the picture. We came into the picture when we found out people weren't even being paid, uh, when the, when, when yeah. paychecks were bouncing, uh, the collective agreements weren't being respected. People were, uh, just kind of like cycled through and stolen from. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. So, and so, yeah, we, we've, we've pushed back on that and now, uh, we're kind of in a, in a long-term fight yeah. with the Smiling Goat, I guess. You also have organized at the uh, Nova Scotia Community College cafeteria workers? Cafeteria workers at the NSCC. So, so all, these, uh, all these things have a common theme. Is, is This is what um, is kind of deridingly referred to as um, uh, low-skilled um, labor, I guess. Um, they but, say low-skilled, but it's, it's, it's very highly skilled work. Right. Actually. That's that's why I said deriding. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's not something. It's not a characteristic you know, I agree with. It, but pe- people work very hard to keep these buildings. Basically, clean they're and, low paid. Yeah, low paid, underpaid. I would say yeah. because it's not just low paid. It's that they're being paid significantly less than their labor uh, is worth. You know, I was I was yesterday. I was listening to one of the podcasts I lis- listened to, which is the Intercept podcast, and uh, they were. Interviewing Sarah Jaffe, who's a uh, labor reporter uh, Mm -hmm. in the U.S., and she was saying that actually last year was the first year in many years that union membership in the United States has actually increased. Um, And her take on it was that uh, people have nothing left to lose, Uh, you know, um, probably not completely the demographic you're talking about, but some overlap. Um, you know, you work in the gig economy, you get part-time contracts, maybe you go to university and you get this mountain of debt, uh, and you end up with a $30,000 a year job and you can't survive and you can't survive on that. Yeah. Um, and so their only recourse, having done everything they've been told to do is like, you know, we gotta, we gotta get organized. And, and, and so we're seeing a turn in, in the perception of the value of unions. Do you, do you see that? I definitely see that. I feel like now more than ever, people are realizing that if you don't have the power of, of your, your, your workplace unite, being united, you're not, you're not going to see those gains, right? Like people are starting to realize that if you want to have things like benefits, if you want to have things like uh, just cause protections, if you want to have any kind of rights at work, you do need to get organized with your coworkers and 
and fight and form a union and solidify a collective agreement where it's all spelled out and you can enforce those rights because they're on paper, right? I think that... Uh, especially with the gig economy, especially with the contracts that are constantly flipping, yeah. this race to the bottom mentality uh, that uh, is pervasive, you know, in, in across North America in, in, in this economy of, you know, just pushing things as low as possible, cutting things as much as possible. Yeah, people are getting fed up with it and nothing else is going to work. Are, are your uh, membership numbers growing? Yeah, SEIU is the fastest growing union in North America. Yeah, that's, um, that's fascinating. And, yeah. and we're, you know, like like you said, like in, in the U.S., like we're behind the Justice for Janitors yeah. campaign, which has had a massive success in raising standards for, for janitorial workers in major cities like L.A., Chicago, Denver, yeah. New York. We've taken it from a place where people were being paid sometimes like under minimum wage, sure. under the table, to a place where people are getting paid like, you know, 15 bucks an hour, yeah. there's living wages, there's yeah. benefits, yeah. There's, you know, there's there's these these major shifts that have happened through getting people organized and, and demanding their their worth because people are, are worth a lot more than they're being yeah. paid and they know I, that. I think part of the discussion around unions, unfortunately, um, th- there's this class element, um, even – how people perceive unions and union membership. So um, here in Halifax, most of the people who are represented by a union are relatively highly paid professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot talking, of government workers, Yeah, too. government workers, healthcare workers, yeah. uh, like that. Um, highly kinda, public, like the, sec, the, the union. union yeah, the and that, that seems to have a, a level of respect that uh, is not accorded to – the low wage workers of janitors and baristas and and food workers and that sort of thing, and it's somewhat ironic in my from from my view because um, if you look at just us, who are their customers? Their customers are to a large degree uh, highly paid people who are uh, uh, represented by you know uh, government employee unions. Um, mm-hmm. And yet there doesn't seem to be the kind of solidarity that um, one would expect. Do you see it that way? I think that there's a lot of people, you know, who see themselves as being progressive or being, you know, part of the broad left. Um, but that, you know, if they own a business, that trumps those values. So, yeah. like, when, when someone owns a business, they're always going to think of their own their own self-interest first uh and that tends to be let's keep costs low let's keep labor costs down let's cut corners let's like yeah. maximize profitability well i think that's just dumb <laughs> <laughs> you, you know i, I mean, think so too i think yeah. it's, i think it's really short-sighted and i yeah. think that there is there is a, a desperate need actually yeah. for people who are progressive who do believe in workers rights who do believe in living wages uh and who are running businesses to say, hey, you know what? Unions are a good thing. I don't mind if my workers form a union. I, I you know, I, I own a business and I try to uh, pay my 
people well and, and uh, you know, make sure that they're fairly represented. I, I offer to pay their uh, membership in a freelancer's union. So, Great. Um, well, more like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really important, right? A, yeah. lot of, a, lot of, a lot of the time people are, are progressive until it affects their own personal bottom line. Well, I mean, I don't just do it out of the, you know, goodness of my heart, but uh, you gain a reputation as a quality employer. You get better, you get better employees. Uh, you get more loyalty. You you get, oh, yeah. you get your workers celebrating the business. Totally. Uh, you can't buy that kind of PR, you know? It's it's actually, yeah, it's actually probably, yeah, do- uh, in terms of uh, dollars that you're spending, it's it's one of the best ways to, to show that you are a, a responsible employer. So what are your challenges here uh, in Nova Scotia Halifax? What, what, what's immediately on, on the SEIU's plate? Well, I mean... The janitorial industry is still, you know, frankly, a little bit of a mess in this in this province as a whole, uh, and in the city in particular. You know, where we have a lot of little companies kind of fighting each other to win contracts, and with the, what that means is that they're all trying to undercut each other, which means do it for less money. And where where is the cost savings other than in wages? So right, it's it's right. constantly finding ways to pay people less. Or make people do eight hours of work in like six hours or in five hours, right? So it's what, speed ups and clawbacks. What, what, what do you need in terms of to be more successful at that? There's a, there's a few things that would make uh, make this industry more, you know, respectful of its workforce. There's a, there's a few things that could happen that would make being a janitor in Halifax, not a poverty trap forever. And, and some of those are legislative, right? So they're, they're, <laughs> poverty in the janitorial industry is actually by design, uh, and it's, it's a matter of policy when it comes to the sure. city and the province. So the province could do a, things very easily, like institute successorship rights for workers, right? Which has been done in other provinces, where if a contract changes, the new company has to continue on with those workers, uh, offer them continued employment, and respect any collective agreements sure. they have in place. It creates an enormous amount of stability where workers can know that they will continue to have a job no matter who starts managing the, the right. contract. It's, so the contracts can change, but you're just changing who's managing the contract. The workers have the right to stay. The workers yeah. don't have to go back to the bottom. Now, Halifax as a city has one of the worst policies when it comes to cleaning, the cleaning industry. Uh, I lo- I've looked through who's doing their, their cleaning at, uh, at the, you know. City Hall. And, and dozens city and offices. dozens of different yeah. buildings. They're, they're, there's a, quite a few municipal-owned yeah, buildings. Oh yeah. All the rec, that, rec centers. Exactly. The, the, yeah. And they're, the, you know, their only policy is who can do it cheapest, yeah. right? And so it's often uh, some of the worst companies uh, in terms of, respecting their workers' rights. Uh, there was sc- scandalous uh, examples of that with uh, Hector Mantellino and, uh, you know, Janny King, where they were having workers clean municipal buildings that were being paid like $3, $4 an hour, uh, living in company housing, yeah. uh, just like extreme levels of exploitation. And there's things that the city could do. They could either bring the cleaning back in-house or they could have a responsible contractor policy. Or they could only, pass a living wage ordinance. Yeah, they could pass a living wage ordinance. There's many things that the city could do to not be promoting a policy of impoverishing cleaners that, that clean 
our community's infrastructure, right? This is all of Halifax's infrastructure. This, this is the, the people's infrastructure, right? What, what can that person sitting in a coffee shop on Spring Garden Road or listening to this podcast or, or just going about their day-to-day life, what, what can they do to uh, help the efforts of, of organizing um, union representation for all these people in, in these lowly paid jobs? Yeah, so, you know, one, one of the things that would be great also in terms of, like, provincially would be um, – making it easier to form a union, right? It's actually not, it's not that hard, but it's, it's, and what we could do is, is have more people kind of like push for that as a policy for, for Nova Scotia as a policy, like pushing for policies at the municipal level as well. But I think most importantly, what people can do is talk to the cleaners that, that clean the places that you work at. So if you if you go to work in one of these buildings downtown, form relationships with people. Ask them how they're doing. Treat them like human beings. And then when you find out, you know, they're making really low wages, that they don't get sick days and they don't have a union, they don't have protection, you know, let them know that that doesn't have to be the reality. That doesn't have to be the case. We can we can change this. As long as people think that it's uh, it's futile and, and change can't happen, it's gonna. We're gonna be stuck in this situation. But once people see that it is possible, uh, that it has been done, we've we've organized two of the biggest cleaning companies in the city already, and we'll be able to raise standards for everyone once we get the other companies on board, the other cleaners on board, and get people unionized more broadly across the city. We'll be able to make those big changes. So talk to the cleaners at the places you work, at the places you, you know. Do business, uh, you know, if you if you spend a lot of time in community centers, libraries, etc. You know, if you know people who work in the cleaning industry, a lot of people know know people in the cleaning industry and, and don't bring this stuff up. But it's it's urgent. It's urgent that we that we create these changes, that we create security and and a brighter future and a, a potential for for living wages um, for cleaners in the city. So talk to cleaners, tell them they deserve better, tell them you support them. Um, and uh, tell them to get in touch with SEIU. Will do. Hey, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been speaking with Darius Mershahi, who is an organizer with Service Employees International Union Local Number 2. You're listening to Examiner Radio, and we'll return right after this. That's a wrap for this week's Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast produced by the Halifax Examiner. As always, the episode is tech by Mark Pinio. Hey, Mark. Hey, Tim. How's that podcast coming of yours? <laughs> uh, I'm lining up my next guest. Yeah, I have a few more Tim's for you. Do you? Yeah. You, you suggested a, a local, as a counselor? Yeah, the, yeah. Well, I've got a few more. All right, cool. I, I keep remembering all my Tim friends. Mark, Mark uh, has a podcast called uh it's about tim it's about tim <laughs> what's uh, it about tim <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh and that's found uh at all the places you find podcasts i, I think i'm, I'm a, one of those tips anyway uh i am tim bousquet and i'm sandra hennebaum we want to know what you think of the show so send an email to podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca Also, Examiner Radio airs on CKDU 88.1 FM in Halifax every Friday at 4.30 p.m. Or you can find the show online at ckdu.ca. Podcast listeners, find Examiner Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, 
and all the places where podcasts live. While you're there, subscribe to catch a new episode automatically every week. Also, it costs a hell of a lot of money to hire a lawyer and go to court and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and that's how we were able to do that story this week and, and how you can now see those sealed court documents. So if you haven't gotten around to subscribing, this would be a great time to do so. Please go to HalifaxExaminer.ca and click subscribe. <coughs> Frog. <coughs> What's your frog's name? Um, what do we call frogs? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>